0: Let's go, baby. Another big one for the Colts on Sunday. 425 kickoff slid into the late afternoon America's game. Yeah. I believe on Fox. Mm-hmm. Mr. Aikman, Mr. Buck, Miss Andrews as well. That's that's pretty good prime time, I guess, if uh taking baby steps here for the Colts. And you know, Chris, this is uh this is where we're at, man. We we talked about the four-game gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Two games down, two more to go, one and one so far, and I don't know maybe it's a mystique of playing the packers but even present day aaron Rodgers and whatnot this is one that you had circled back in may and here on november 18th as we record this version of kevin's corner we certainly got it circled.
1: yeah like you said we have it circled they have it circled they're coming off a a slower game against jacksonville where they gave up you know we talk about how good our special teams are they've mentioned how good they think the colt special team unit is and maybe one of the best in the league so any, any place that you can get some some spark, like we mentioned on the last pod, uh, we'll take it.
0: Yeah, you know, stealing a possession is something that's kind of on my mind this week. How can the Colts do that, create a short field, keep Aaron Rodgers on that sideline? You know, those are all things you think about when you're playing these quarterbacks. But I, I'm just really excited for this matchup because it's something different. It's something unique. It's the ultimate passing test you're going to see on this schedule. The Colts have not faced many great passing offenses. Not, honestly, not many good passing offenses. And this is about as premier as you're going to get. So um, I'm excited, man. I was a little surprised when I saw that those in Vegas had the Colts as the early favorite. Mm-hmm. Shows you a lot of respect. Nationally is starting to build behind this team a little bit. I just thought Rogers would generate at least a pick them. Um, but still, this is going to be an exciting one. and. Um,
1: feels like we haven't been in studio for a while. It does feel like that. Um, but to your point, how big was last week in terms of jockeying for position in the AFC? Oh, huge! You know, we saw you know the Ravens go down. Yeah. You see all these other teams start to climb and some start to fall. And next thing you know, there you are, Colts fourth right now.
0: Yeah, I think we mentioned on last Friday's pod recap the win over the Titans, the win got you to like fifty percent chance of winning the division. A loss would have had you at ten percent. Mm-hmm. But then, like you said, you see how the AFC plays out on Sunday and just a wild finish in Arizona, which you know helps the Colts, I guess, a little bit if Miami wins that division and you get into wild cards with Buffalo. I don't know. That that makes my head hurt trying to imagine that. But <laughs> I mean, you have nine teams that have won six games or more. Nine. Yeah. First time in NFL history you've gotten to this point of the NFL season and one conference has had nine of their 16 teams with six wins. So... It just go goes back to the point, Chris, of like you were a bit behind the eight ball with wild card tiebreakers coming into last Thursday, so you needed to try and create that other avenue down the stretch to where you feel good about it. And honestly, if you look at it right now, you probably feel better about winning the division than you do about possibly sneaking in the wild card, which is you know kind of crazy to to say when you have three wild card spots and only one divisional spot. But um, man, this is um. When I look at this four game stretch, you start with Baltimore, then you had Tennessee on the short week, then Green Bay, and then Tennessee again. It's it's weird how I look at it because the games you want the most in this four game stretch to make the playoffs mm-hmm. is obviously Tennessee. You like if you're gonna go two and two, you yeah. want both of them against Tennessee. That's pretty like I don't know basic NFL. Playoff strategy, whatever you want to call it. But I sit here and think for me to feel the best about the Colts in the month of January like playing against other teams, this one on Sunday means more than the Tennessee games. I know the Colts can beat Tennessee. I feel pretty good about the Colts beating run-focused teams. Now it's how do you do against more of this passing attack? Right. And, yes, they are a lot different than Kansas City. And, honestly, Kansas City is probably really the only elite passing offense, even in the AFC. Like When you start looking at the numbers, you know, Chargers are up there, Houston's up there, those teams aren't going to be in the playoffs. So this is just a, a, another of those different types of test challenges that we talked about coming in here in the second half of the season. So, again, this is still a huge game for playoff seeding. Right. Um, because when it's so jumbled in the AFC, every game is important. But to me, this one matters even more just for that January measuring stick that we've talked about a lot here. If you're going to have one of the two to get in the playoffs, you'd rather have next Sunday against Tennessee at home. But this is still a really big one just in how you project this team into can they make a run? Can they go toe-to-toe with the Kansas City? If Pittsburgh spreads them out and you know plays with three and four wideouts, how can the Colts match up with that, yeah. even though Pittsburgh hasn't been this big passing offense? I think those are some of the um, – uh, takeaways that we're going to get on the uh, Sunday.
1: Yeah, and as you said, we we want to see Aaron Rodgers on the sideline as long as we can. But a guy who wants to meet him in the backfield is Kamoko Ture, who is now off pup. We're happy to see him back. Thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, you know, I just got back from Colts practice. Um, I I think if it, as long as um, there's no setback, I expect him to play on Sunday. You know, in, in in practice, I think it'll be, you know, the pass rush package of a. Buckner Houston Autry Him. And, and that's pretty much the package I think we talked about in the offseason. You know, your little indie car package here. Um You know, so many people ask me about Ture, and he's one of the more fascinating players on this roster. What stands out to me is when you watch all these defensive ends during practice, during training camp, the the one on one, which I love to watch, O line mm-hmm. versus D line, what jumps off when Ture gets in his stance, is that get-off. He has such a quick first step compared to all the rest of the defensive linemen on this football team. And then you factor in the bend and just the natural speed, and that's what the Colts envisioned, you know, and why you saw a guy come out of the Big Ten and didn't have a lot of sack production to be a second-round pick, really didn't produce at that high of a level compared to, I think, other pass rushers that were drafted around him. But he had these traits that you felt like you could develop and turn into something. So um, I'm just really curious to see where he's at physically because he is such a critical piece to making me believe that deep January is more possible than maybe I thought it was a month ago or something like that. So, um, again, pitch count. I'd be stunned if he played a first-down snap. All Sunday, I think it's second and longs and and obviously passing situations on third down and whatnot. But in this defense, man, four-man rush is critical. Sunday, you want to drop a lot in the zone, I would assume, against Aaron Rodgers. You want to get home with that four. He is just a different element, a necessary element to have a disruptive front. Because it's impressive to me, Chris, the past defense has been so stingy without a consistent rush up front.
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: And... Pressures and hurries and all of that are one thing. Finishing those plays are another. I mean, just pop in the Kansas City film. It's just – and that's what I think of. When I think of Terry, I I draw back to that Sunday nighter in Kansas City and think if you're to see that team again in the month of January, he is just such a vital, vital component to slowing down, limiting, doing whatever – Yep. that you want to call it. Um, you know, Josh Allen likes to hold on to it. Big Ben likes to hold on to it. Big Ben at least can make some plays a little bit, I should say, and just keeping some plays alive, even though he probably wants to be quick rhythm. Um, there are some QBs in the NFL, AFC, I should say, that you know can extend whatever. This is where Terry comes into the fold. So uh, eager to watch him on, on multiple levels and um, – You've had chances from the interior. You've gotten disruption from the interior. I think you're just missing the edge part yep. to clean it up because if those two can you know, be a little peanut butter and jelly, a little chemistry action, it's a missing element for a defense that doesn't have many missing elements right now.
1: Absolutely. Like you said, curious to see what he brings to the Colts' defensive side of the ball. A guy that I'm curious to see if he continues to keep up the production, Michael Pittman Jr. I mean, the way that he's been performing the last two weeks and continues to kind of – grow and evolve, and how fluid he seems to be once he gets the ball in his hand. And we talked about him being a running back son. You know, he he just continues to make plays, and you can kind of see him start to figure it out.
0: Yeah. Um, while I'm thinking about it, shout out to my good friend Mark Welsh. I think you know Mark mm-hmm. maybe a little bit growing up. Um, him and his wife, I think, are in the midst of potentially um, bringing a child into this world. I hope they uh, name the kid Cornelius. I think it's a great <laughs> Um, family name yeah. on, the, on the wealth side of it. So I just want to throw that in there. Um, Kamoko Ture, Michael Pittman. Two names, Chris, that we wanted to mention for this podcast. Um, you know, I think back, oh man, I don't know, early July, mid-July, something like that, we talked about two players that can raise the ceiling the most on this Colts season. Yeah. It was Paris Campbell and it was Kamoko Terry. And for all the questions we get about Campbell, I reiterate what I've said for a while now. I would be surprised if he played again in in 2020. But what I saw from Pittman on Thursday night, it, you know, it, it's definitely not Campbell like. But man, it's uh, that's not six four two twenty. I'm a possession wideout. That is some explosiveness post catch that you felt like was there but I don't know I'd be lying to you if I thought that much of it was there like the 21 yard reverse yeah I mean whoa Jeez. Uh-huh. um I thought Nick Sirianni did a great job yesterday describing how he made the comparison to Larry Fitzgerald post catch and it's interesting and I, I watched you know Fitzgerald a good amount in college because Pittsburgh would play Notre Dame a good amount and I mean he was a tremendous athlete and probably a far better athlete than giving credit for post-catch but Siriano was pretty much talking about the longer strides yeah as a runner and again it's not maybe the most stopwatchy sort of thing but like it's just hard to bring down guys fall forward um, you know T.Y. Hilton's never been a great Guy to fall forward, and you know, a bunch of you know, I'm gonna run through an arm tackle, and you know, that yellow line, I'm gonna extend past that yellow line. My mom used to think the yellow line was painted on the field,
1: so did my sister.
0: (laughs) Gosh, God bless him. Um, but yeah, it's just there's an element of like, I'm not gonna be denied, yeah, that I see from Pittman. And you know, Frank Reich used the term when he was drafted, he's got good body quickness, and when you looked at his testing numbers. I mean, some of the testing numbers were still pretty impressive. And then it's like, oh, yeah, they're really impressive when you look at he's 6'4 and 223. So um, I, I do think what you saw on Thursday is not necessarily a fluke. Like, I think his post-catch ability is a little bit more, you know, we talked about it. He's a fluid runner. You know, Chris, I think you mentioned this maybe to me, beers with Bowen last Wednesday. We still haven't seen really the 50-50 element. Correct. The whole jump ball, red zone, third down, back shoulder stuff. I think all of that is still in the repertoire for Pittman. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I think that's something that this offense can tap into. And I also am like, that dude was taken 34th overall. That's the second pick in the second round in a, you know, borderline historic wide receiver draft. He is a first-round talent. You know, I mean, like... Normal draft, Michael Pittman's name is being called, you know, 20, 22, something like that. So he, he is a very, very talented kid and runs with a purpose. And, you know, I remember at USC when Graham Harrell, the former Texas Tech gunslinger, was their O coordinator. I think he took over kind of halfway through Pittman's career. And somebody told him, oh, yeah, that's our best special teams player, Michael Pittman. <laughs> like that was the yeah. reference of him early on. He was a heavy defensive guy. In, uh, in high school, so um, this is not a, uh, you know, pretty boy, pre-Madonna, USC, um, you know, I need my product in, in my hair after each touchdown before I take off my helmet. No, 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 like, yeah. this dude plays a game of football like his father, you know, was a Super Bowl running back. So um, it's necessary. It's needed. Um, we know Phillip Rivers likes the big body. You know, we, we clamored for that. On the podcast, but it's not even just Rivers, Chris. Like the Colts need that too. They they, they need this skill set in their wideout group. So, uh, moving forward, Michael Pittman getting consistent targets necessary, multiple levels of the field necessary. Um, he is a massive piece to this offense, providing consistency, production, all of that.
1: Yeah. And I believe you have a piece up on 107.5thefan.com about Michael Pittman. Anything else up there that you want to talk about?
0: Uh, I had one on Grover Stewart earlier mm-hmm. in the week. Uh, kind of plug that. Pretty similar to what we've talked about on this pod. He deserves to be paid. Franchise tag, maybe. Uh, you know, We kind of had a debate, me and some of my colleagues today at practice, about you know paying Braden Smith, paying Darius Leonard, paying Grover Stewart. They're not the sexiest positions, but... Man, if you're a man of your word yep. about you pay your own and you, and you, you know, these draft picks, you've got to grow the homegrown talent. I don't know how you don't pay these guys.
1: Yeah. Well, without further ado, let's get into one of my favorite segments. And I know our listeners' favorite segments of the week uh, Twitter questions. As always, we answer Twitter questions that you have sent into Kevin's dms twitter and my dms as well something that not every colts podcast does but we love to hear from everybody
0: dude this is um this is something we do every pod i know people ask me sometimes hey where do i send in questions just dm me you know honestly dm me dm chris wherever we're gonna get to we try to get to virtually all of them Mm -hmm. uh maybe not the exact podcast after you send it but we do and i remember when i started this podcast back in Boy, I guess September 2017 as we, what are we, 250 in? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Interactive. Interactive, interactive, interactive. That was going to be a must. And 98% of podcasts, we take a whole lot of Twitter questions. So thank you to everyone that sends them in. And uh, let's, uh, let's get into it, man.
1: All right. Well, the first one comes from David. And he wants to know what your thoughts are on going to an I formation with Hines and Taylor as the backup or some combo like that says it seemed to work wonders back in the Robert Turbin days and could help with the short yard struggles.
0: <laughs> I miss the I-formation, man. I mean, there's it's just something. It's a nice aesthetic look seeing an offense come out in the I-formation. Yep. You know, nice painting to have in your house. Yeah, you know, painted by Joseph Gaines. You got a big fullback in there. <laughs> you know, maybe the horse collar or something like that. Uh, Turbin. Turbin was solid when he was here. Bradshaw, I think, did a little bit of it, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And I guess I formation, Hines, Taylor, I kind of like that as a short yardage wrinkle of you line up in the eye, you give it to Taylor on a dive, you pitch it to Hines, that's an option, you line up in the eye, you split out out of the eye, maybe Hines goes out and split out and Taylor becomes a single back, you know, things like that, Um, boy, I can't recall I guess the Colts have kind of used an H-back tight end this year. I don't think any defensive player is lined up. You know, we saw in the offseason Roosevelt Knicks obviously was signed to the yep. team, thought to be a fullback. But, um, you know, I honestly, Chris, and I say this with all seriousness, every time the Colts get into third and one on Sunday or fourth and one, I'd bring Jacoby Brissett on the field and sneak it. I mean, sixth overall pick, 18th overall pick, Sneak 6'4", 225, a quarterback, yeah. 230, whatever Brissett is. Just sneak the damn thing. I mean, the success rate on QB sneaks is through the roof. Mm-hmm. And when you're struggling as much as you are in short yardage right now, just sneak the darn thing and move on. But, I mean, to um, – who is it, Doug? David. David. To to, to David's point, I the two-back element to this offense, I thought we'd see more of. You know, Hines and Taylor on the field at the same time. Jet sweep here, fake screen here, you know, stuff like that. I, I would like to see a little bit more of that down the stretch.
1: This one's from Craig. Outside of Buckner, who's the Colts' defensive MVP thus far? Autry, who leads the team in sacks with six. Leonard, who leads in tackles despite missing two games. Grover Stewart, Blackman, or Lewis, who has three and a half sacks with fewer snaps than the regular starters.
0: Well, Craig, I'm going to go with someone you didn't mention. I'm going to go with Xavier Rhodes. I, I think he's a defensive MVP, not named force Buckner, which, Chris, now that I'm looking at the names that he mentioned, I mean, holy shit, this is a pretty good problem to have it when is. I'm going with someone. And I think those are all very legitimate people he mentioned, but, you know, outside corner, you look what you've done against some of these wideouts. You know, Thielen doesn't have a catch after the first drive. You know, Allen Robinson had a lot of his damage late in that. Final drive yep. when the game was pretty much over. You know, Galladay doesn't have a catch in the first half, and now you're going to see, you know, one of the top three or four wideouts in the league on Sunday. But man, I, I, I think you got to give it to Rhodes. It's and again, nothing against those names. You guys know what I think of Stewart and Blackman, especially. But um, yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Xavier. Such a good debate, though. I it mean, strong resumes and holy hell, shows you how the far this defense has come.
1: Jordan has a question that he think might make some Colts fans mad and says, oh. we are putting too much stock in how good the Colts are after the win against Tennessee. He says he knows it's a huge win and very much needed, but it feels like we always have the Titans number in the past and wondering if this year is just the same.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair. I guess I have a question. That may, you know, are we putting too much stock into how good the Colts are after the win in Tennessee? I. You know, I... I don't know. Am I? I don't know if I'm seeing like Super Bowl chatter. I, I I don't know where the gauge is after Tennessee. It's maybe a little bit longer because you got ten day break and some of that hype builds a yeah. little bit. But I think if people are honest, they'll realize that the Colts have had Tennessee's number. Um, what is it, twenty or twenty four? I think they've won against mm-hmm. the Titans. And yet you look at what Tennessee's done in January, and they've won three road playoff games over the past few years, and have had these consistent winning seasons and whatnot. Um, and the league really is so much about matchups. You know, like, if you ask anyone in the NFL, they're like, the Jaguars suck. You ask Colts fans, they're like, hey, the Jags are kind of good. Yeah, right. You know, like, yep. especially down there. I mean, hey, you, you get the bubbles in that hot tub going, and next thing you know, that's a good football game. Um, Or a good, good football team, I should say. So, I, I thought Frank Reich did a really – you know, candid job and necessary job in saying, you know, we needed that win of you got to prove yourself. Like that's, there are so many chapters to an NFL season Mm -hmm. and being able to show that you can beat an upper echelon team is necessary. Now you beat Kansas city last year and you saw what happened late in the year. So like you got to do it again. You've got to do it against different types of teams because you are going to face, Great defenses in Baltimore, great passing offenses in Green Bay, you know things like that. But uh, that was a, that that was a really solid win. And yeah, you're down seventeen thirteen with what four minutes ago in the third quarter, mm-hmm. and then you totally changed it. But up to that point, you hadn't gotten such a win. You ha- you hadn't had the opportunity for right. many of them. But you got it. And on a short week against your division rival, that's job well done. Jordan, I don't think I'm sitting here saying this is a Super Bowl-caliber team after what I saw on Thursday night football, but it is a positive step forward and a necessary step forward. And now the beauty of it is we're going to see it several more times here down the stretch and try and position yourself for January and see what happens.
1: Tanner and Mark both want to know if there's any possibility that we add Pierre to Sear from waivers now that he's been cut from the Jets. They feel like we're one injury away from a disaster in the secondary without a solid backup outside corner, and it couldn't hurt to kick the tires, right?
0: Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I don't know if you saw. Did you see the final play, Pierre Seer had as a Jet? I did not. Be thankful that you didn't see that final play. It, it looked. Um, I hope he was hurt because it. Um, I I didn't love the effort. Not not the Pierre Desir that I that I think I know. Um, and then you also wonder too. Just I mean. Have the Jets reached a point where it's like, uh, play the young guys. Yeah. You know, like, uh, the 30-year-old, we don't need him out there anymore. And you know what? I, I was very vocal about I thought DeSeer should have been kept, and, and I thought it's a position that I think you love having depth at corner. Yep. And this is pre-Marvel Tell, and certainly post-Marvel Tell, you think about it, but, you know, it's kind of like where you sit at right now, Chris. You got this Kenny Moore injury this week, and you're like, okay, if, TJ Carrie go play slot. That means Rocky Yacine is on the field for every snap, and Rocky Sina has not been on the field for every snap for reasons this season. So, um, but I, I mean, I, I, I would look into it. But that was just a weird breakup, and I mean, his numbers with the Jets this year are not very good. They weren't great last year in Indy, and they weren't very good this year either. Um, but boy, what what a great move by by Chris Ballard on mm-hmm. acknowledging that. Believing that Xavier Rhodes could come in here and be an upgrade. And yes, I thought you should have kept both for depth reasons. But boy, if you had to pick either or, you talk about a huge win by Chris Bauer. That is exactly it.
1: Jay Will wants to know what your thoughts are in the tight end room. With Doyle out on the concussion protocol, backup Noah Tongiye not doing much at all, when would the team look at Hale Hinches on the practice squad? So it seems like he's a Doyle clone in the making and he can't be worse than Noah. Is Noah's ceiling just higher?
0: Um, That's a fair question. I mean, you obviously got Moe and Burton. Boy, I don't know about you, Chris. I feel like Tonya has really struggled blocking. I don't – maybe I'm just, like, seeing a couple of short yardage plays and it's just not – hasn't looked good Yeah. in those situations. Um, and obviously, Tonya has been here with this team for, you know, multiple months now. So I'm not losing a whole lot of sleep over – um, over Hale Hinch is not n- not being called up yet. You know, I, I I do think they maybe feel like there's more of a receiving element there, or they're setting something up with Tongi. You got Farad Green as well on the uh, practice squad, the undrafted kid out of Mississippi State. So, um, yeah, tight end room right now, I just think Mo Alley Cox needs to see the most most touches flat out and, and, and I still think Burton can be a situational guy for you
1: yeah all right Marvin is a longtime listener from New York City and he hopes you and Love the it. family are doing well and getting ready for a much-needed Thanksgiving
0: same to you Marvin and all of our listeners out there happy early Thanksgiving
1: Marvin's very excited about this week's matchup and every time we play the Packers he goes back to Luck's fifth game as rookie season when he and Reggie drove down the field to knock off the defending Super Bowl champs in our own house he said he'd give anything to get those 87 orange gloves from that game. <laughs> but his question is, Aaron Rodgers is currently 0-2 the last few times he's played the Colts. Phillip Rivers is 0-2 versus Aaron Rodgers the past two times he's played the Packers. Do you think the historical battle is indicative of the Colts showing up for the game against Rodgers? Or is Rivers', reggers, Re- Rivers record pardon me, against Rodgers more of a bad omen or sign of things to come for this game?
0: Well, first... Oh yeah, I do want to hit on that 2012 Thursday game. I'm pretty sure the Chargers beat the Packers last year. I might pull that up. We we're we we're just talking to Philip about it today. Okay. Um, I thought Philip had a really good game against them last year.
1: You know, these two do go back. I was listening to Aaron Rodgers yesterday talking about how he loves playing Philip Rivers because of the fire that that he brings to whatever team he's playing for.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I could see a lot of mutual mutual respect there. 26-11, Chargers beat the Packers last year. Who would, thought, who would have thought it? Um, so, yeah, I well, first, that 2012 game, one of the best sporting events I've been to, certainly regular season sporting events I've been to. Um, you know Chuck's first game in the hospital, mm-hmm. the orange gloves for leukemia awareness by Reggie. Reggie against Charles Woodson, a lot in that game. Luck got hit the hardest he's ever been hit. He, he admitted that. He still would admit that to this day if you ever can you know break into his flip phone and, and get a hold of him uh Nick Perry I think it was uh, edge rusher for the Packers got him but man the comeback Bruce Arians just <laughs> I don't even know if he knew what he was doing on the sidelines um what a game it was what awesome. a game and I think Ursay took the ball straight to the IU Cancer Center where where Chuck was and yeah just boy that's um, those are moments why you just love you love sports mm-hmm. you know me I love to tweet that out um Okay, um, I forgot. Yeah, the Packers did lose to the Colts. Then again, 2016, up in Lambeau, another yep. great game. Jordan Toddman kick return for a touchdown to start that game, and mm-hmm. boy, you talk about it, Grixon Pagano era, two and zero against the Packers. That's yep. pretty good. Um, you know, as far as Rodgers and this Sunday, I, I I don't put a whole lot of stock in the last two. I mean, think about it, 2016 Colts, who is still left? Doyle, if he plays, Hilton. Kelly, Costanzo, Hilton. Did I say Hilton? Yep. I mean, is that it? Like, you know, Aaron Rodgers was facing a defense that day that probably had, like, Arthur Jones starting. Right. And and Rashawn Melvin or Patrick Robinson. I'm trying (laughs) to think of these other just wild defensive names the Colts had back then. So um, what I think is this. I think Aaron Rodgers is very conscious of his surroundings. He knows he's probably lost to the Colts a couple times in a row. I think he's probably frustrated by how much Jacksonville hung around last week. And and honestly, and some of the Green Bay players have mentioned this this week. They're excited to play in front of fans.
1: That's what I was going to add. Yep.
0: They don't play in front of fans. And and if you look at Rodgers' numbers this year, 5 road games for the Packers. Rodgers was awful in, in Tampa. The other 4 road games, at least 3 touchdowns and no picks in each one of those games. Yeah. Like if you have Two of those games throughout the year, that's impressive. He's had four on the road, and they've only played on the road five times. So mm-hmm. it's like he struggled more Lambo than he has on the road. And he'll see twelve thousand five hundred in the building Sunday. So, um, yeah, I don't Marvin. I don't put. They've been some great games. I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. I, full transparency, I think Aaron Rodgers is freaking unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I do. I mean, yeah. I just think he is. And, and Frank Reich's pointed this out a couple times this week. You know what stands out to me, Chris, about Rodgers? The dude doesn't throw picks. And yet, he's like a gunslinger. He keeps plays alive and chucks it down the field and flicks that wrist and mm-hmm. boom. And then you look at his numbers in the end of the year and it's like, oh yeah, five picks for the whole year. It's like, what? <laughs> how? Right. How? Like, how are there not more intercepts? How do two more balls, whatever, five more balls, go off your wide-out hands and into a DB? Like, he is... Um, pure thrower of the football he might be the greatest ever to play the game again pure thrower of the football Correct. not saying greatest quarterback of all time or anything like that but and obviously the kid from from Kansas City is is, is going to be in that same sentence and probably will overtake him at some point but Aaron Rodgers is um very good at throwing the pick skin
1: yes he is marvin wants to follow up that question with a fan duel question ps Ooh. Michael Pittman scores his first career touchdown in the NFL this Sunday. What do you think? FanDuel last week had him at plus 400, and he was close twice.
0: Here's my FanDuel uh, borderline lock of the night. Okay. okay. NBA draft as we are recording this. I have Patrick Williams from Florida State being taken in the first seven picks. Okay. Okay. Um, I hope that works for our audience. Uh, if. He gets taken eighth or lower, just edit this out of the podcast. <laughs> you got it. But if he goes seven or higher, maybe bump it up to the lead if you don't mind. There, um, okay. Pittman first career touchdown. What's he say? Plus what?
1: He said last week, Fanduel had Pittman as a anytime score at I think anytime score at plus four hundred.
0: I assume that's going to come down a little bit after how many targets he had last week. Boy, you think? I feel like he's close. I feel like he's had some you know receptions down to the five or. Even closer than that. So, um, boy, I I could see a little shootout. Um, Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Lock it in, Marvin.
1: And he tweeted about it, too. He said, I I promise you guys I'm going to get in here shortly. Oh, he knows. Yeah.
0: He knows full well. Marvin, what a great name for a wideout.
1: Yeah. Patrick has a would you rather. Colts win the AFC South but lose in the first round of the playoffs. Ballard decides Rivers isn't the answer at quarterback anymore. So, would you rather the Colts trade two first and a third – to get a top five pick and draft a quarterback, or do we trade the same picks to Dallas for Dak and give him a five-year, two hundred million dollar deal?
0: Oh, I am um, I'm definitely top five draft. I don't want to trade the picks and then pay Dak two hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's boy, yeah, that's no, no. I don't want to do that. No. Okay. I'm not trading picks, and I'm not doing DeForest Buckner. Like, yeah, no, 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 no. And like DeForest Buckner, obviously, has been great, but I'm not doing that at quarterback when we still have questions about Dak physically, and then obviously, when he's healthy enough, can he can he get it done? So, um, I mean, so he says the Colts are going to make the playoffs and lose in the first round.
1: He said if they do, and and Rivers or if Reich decides that Rivers isn't the answer at quarterback, what, what would you rather do? of those yeah. two scenarios.
0: I mean, a lot of things I, I like about this scenario, Chris, but um, I mean, if they win the division, that means they're probably drafting in the twenties. Mm-hmm. So if I'm only trading that pick a future first and a third, and I'm going to get all the way in the top five and I potentially am getting Justin Fields and he's going to make how much money on that rookie deal compared to two hundred? Yep. Million? <laughs> yep. This is that. that's a no brainer to me. And, again, it's not that much like I don't hate Dak like as much as I think there is like a chunk of the Cowboys fan base, the national fan base, that is against Dak. I think he's a fine quarterback. But $200 million? Yeah. Five years. I mean, you are committing yourself to that quarterback as your franchise guy along with trading away those picks.
1: hmm
0: No. And Dak's a free agent, so I don't know. Is this like Malcolm Brogdon, restricted free agent? There, I don't know why you'd have to do that.
1: Well, I know you're at Colts camp, so while we're on the topic of uh early quarterbacks real quick, did you see Twitter blowing up this afternoon? What the Justin Herbert?
0: Yes, uh the haircut. Yeah. He looks like he is yeah. <laughs> Cathedral versus
1: Castle in semi state oh on my Friday. Gosh. Is he starting for Cathedral? Oh my gosh. He look <laughs> He had some nice locks. I don't know what you're a young quarterback in LA with locks. Cali. Cali, baby. Come on! Why are yeah. you cutting that hair? And to that haircut, yikes! Yeah,
0: I mean, hell with that haircut. He looks like he's Jimmy Chitwood. Maybe right? the Colts should have yeah. traded up for
1: him there. <laughs> All right, Colin's question came before the news yesterday about Sheldon Day being waved when Turie came off of the pup. He wanted to know who you thought would have gotten waved. He did mention Banigu who the last couple of games we've seen not dress.
0: Yeah, I definitely did not think Banigou would get cut, Colin. The names that came to mind, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't have Sheldon Day as top of mind as some others, but then I remembered like Reese Fountain was just practice squad so he can go back there. Cassius Marsh was just practice squad. I, I, I honestly thought tongue eye but then I'm like, well, if Jack Doyle missed another week, yeah, maybe you need him. Uh, but the Sheldon Day thing is just its very unfortunate, and you guys know this. I, I mean, I've loved Sheldon Day. I think he's a good player. I think the knee injury hurt him in camp. And Taylor Stallworth, number 77, 78, 76, something like that, um, he's come in here and has played pretty good football for you. So do you need a third defensive tackle? Yeah, against Tennessee and Baltimore, but maybe not as much against Green Bay. And So, yeah, Banagoo yeah, I'm not – we're not there yet with Bannegoo, but, again, it's um... – do we have any other Bannegoo questions or, or was this the only one?
1: I believe that's the only one.
0: Well, I guess I'll just talk about him here. You know, Chris, I, I've I've mentioned him before in the pod. I've never seen the pop. Never seen the edge pop with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a guy that they thought could play linebacker. I mean, boy, that takes some athletic ability to be his size and play linebacker and I've never seen those traits jump off at me from the edge. You know, he had the really nice day at Lucas Oil back in August, but that was again the second teamer and you just wonder, too, with Terry coming back, where does Bandigo play? Right. Period. The rest of the year. And I know injuries will happen, so he'll probably get in there somehow. But if if healthy, I don't see where he jumps Alcane Muhammad or Kamoko Terry for snaps. Um, so, and then you just get into the debate internally of, like, okay, is he Grover Stewart or Tyquan Lewis where they just needed a couple years and then they're going to show up? Or is he Terrell Basham and Bjorn Werner, where he's never going to show up? Yeah, you know that's just the the difficult predicament that you get into with him. So, um, yeah, it's been a disappointing year two for a Ben Manigo.
1: And a quick shout out to Cassius Marsh, who came up last week doing it on special teams. Got a nice tackle on a kick return. Was right there in the backfield during that uh, that block punt. So. They called his number, and he's been making things happen. I
0: think he had uh, two tackles and, like, eight snaps, which is notable. Yeah. So, yeah, um, good work by a, a guy that is not your typical practice squad guy. He, yeah. He's got a history in the league.
1: Kevin, to Garrett's recollection, he doesn't think there's been a single game this year where the Colts, in terms of a betting standpoint, haven't been favored or even with an opponent. Now they're a three-point favorite versus the Packers. He says he finds that very telling to the improvements the Colts have made from 2018 or even 19, and Vegas is never wrong, right? Boy, at
0: times I think they are the only right thing in this world. <laughs> yeah. um, Cleveland, I think the Colts were an underdog against Cleveland. I could have that wrong. I think the Browns might have been favored in that game. But, yeah, I mean, I, that was a that was a beers with Bowen question we had. I think the Colts have been the favorite in all but two games this season. Um and, yeah, favored again on Sunday. You know, easier schedule, we have to mention, Garrett. I mean, they have played one of the easier schedules. That has played into it. But I also think there's an outside perception that is rising mm-hmm. with this team, and deservedly so. I mean, when you show up defensively, you know, it's kind of like everyone has, like, the stigma outside of, like, the Bears will always be boring on offense. Yep. The You know, the Ravens always be good on defense mm-hmm. or whatever you want to throw out there. Like, that's what everyone thinks nationally. Like, I could go to, you know, Whatever Bangkok for three months and then come back and be like, oh, yeah, the Bears are probably averaging uh, 13 points per game. (laughs) Like, And I'm probably going to be right.
1: You're probably right.
0: And so, like, everyone nationally is like, well, the Colts probably won't be great on defense. It's kind of their thing. And then this year it's like, oh, shit, they're really good on defense. Mm -hmm. So I think once people have seen that, it's probably influenced some of this stuff.
1: Yeah, that's very true. All right, here's another hypothetical, this time from Creighton who has never missed a podcast.
0: Wow. Jeez, thank you, Creighton, for that.
1: The Colts get the 24th overall pick in the draft this year. They don't re-sign Rivers. Both Trey Lance and Zach Wilson fall to them in the draft. They take one of them and then proceed to trades to, to the Jets. A third-round pick for Sam Darnold. Would that be a good quarterback situation going into next season? You would have Darnold, Eason, and Lancer Wilson. Surely you'd have to think one of them could turn out to be a stud, right? He says he would then use his second round pick on a tight end or wide receiver, a fourth rounder on a left tackle, and then a fifth rounder maybe on a pass rusher or a cornerback. What are your thoughts?
0: Boy, that's that's a lot to unpack there. Um, Creighton, first off, thank you for your just passion yeah. and uh, loyalty. It's second to none. Having said that, um, <laughs> I'm going to go with no. I, I, I don't. Why the need to trade for Darnold? I don't... It's quarterback. You're going to invest a whole lot into pretty much one guy, and that guy's getting the reps, and that guy's got to be your QB. It's, I, I just don't... You know... Um, if you're drafting a quarterback in round one, he's the guy. Flat out. He's And, like, you drafted Eason in round four. It's not like you drafted Eason in round seven. Like, you, you think something is yeah. there with him, so... Um, I, I am not trading and I don't know if Darnold would be I don't think a third round pick would necessarily get Darnold um, so yeah I uh, I think you still have some needs you know you mentioned corner and edge in the fifth round I don't love a left tackle in the fourth round either I love a left tackle a little bit earlier than that so Creighton if I'm getting that quarterback in the first round those resources around him are going to help him and Jacob Easton my backup and that's how we're rolling folks It it's very difficult to do to hit on the QB in round one but I don't all of a sudden think oh that QB flame like when are you going to say no to the QB the round one QB is going to have a leash on it Mm -hmm. it's going to be long I mean how long are you keeping Darnold are you giving Darnold a second contract what's that going to look like is Darnold going to want that is Darnold going to want more of an open job what's Eason going to be as the third quarterback too so no but thank you for listening well
1: Kevin, back to the pitiful Bears offense that you mentioned a oh, question God. ago. Wyatt wants to know what it would cost to get Allen Robinson out of there and if it's even a possibility.
0: I mean, in all seriousness, Chris, the Bears are so freaking boring. Yeah. I mean, without Chuck and that defense, they got nothing. And Cordell Patterson just running like his head's cut off half mm-hmm. the game. I mean, okay, Allen Robinson? Yes. Hmm. It's intriguing. Um... Probably around fifteen mil, fourteen mil. I don't know something around there. It was he late twenties, probably. Yeah, I mean he's proven himself. Right. <laughs> clearly not getting a whole lot of help offensively. So. Um, yeah, I. Uh, I like that.
1: And Robinson chose to go to the Bears. <laughs> I know. You know, he came <laughs> off
0: the ACL. You know, tore the ACL right. in uh, Jacksonville and whatnot. So. Yeah, Allen Robinson would be somebody I'd be kicking the tires on.
1: This one's from Jason. If things remain the same as they are today, do you feel the Colts have a better chance to beat Green Bay this week or Tennessee for a second time next week? It says both are acceptable answers, but will require a detailed explanation. Man,
0: Jason, kind of a little threat there. I hope, <laughs> I hope we're giving detailed explanations to every answer. Um, I think the Titans. I think his team is better built to stop the run. Titans are a little banged up, too, mm-hmm. which which helps. Green Bay looks pretty healthy on offense. Alan Lazar... You talk about a recruit that got away from Notre Dame. Why would you ever go to Iowa State to play football? You can tell I'm not bitter. <laughs> um, he's back. Yep. So they're healthier on offense. And, and again, this is just—it's it, the air attack. It's—it's it's something different. It's—you know—Kenny Moore's injury situation and Rocky Scene might have to play more snaps and how consistent is that pass rush? And but you haven't faced—I think I looked this up a couple days ago. Rogers number one in the league in quarterback rating, QBR. Yep. You haven't played a single QB in the top ten this year. We, we, we talked about it. Matthew Stafford, probably the best quarterback you had faced at that point. So it, this is just a totally different animal from a passing offense standpoint than you've seen all year long. And, I mean, Tennessee's going to be coming off a physical game next I mean they got Baltimore. Tennessee's got Baltimore this week. Yep. So um, I, I I think beating the Titans is a much better chance.
1: Ben says, hey, KB, every time someone has gotten hurt this year, it seems like the next man comes in and there's not much of a drop-off. Also, it seems like there's a lot more high-character guys on this team, more than past teams, who don't mind getting in their teammates this year. He mentions Rivers, Houston, and Leonard as examples. Ballard has done a great job building this team, in his opinion. Is Ballard a top-ten quarterback in the league away from having this team competing for a championship each year even though he knows this is easier said than done.
0: Yeah, Ben, I think you're right. Um, I mean, honestly, everywhere but running back, you've had someone step up for you this season, which is really impressive mm-hmm. considering, you know, the hooker and, and uh, I guess white out maybe a little bit with the Campbell injuries. But um, yeah, I mean, I would say if a top 10 quarterback with this team, you would be in the conversation of consistent contender Kansas City, Pittsburgh, yep. you know, Seattle, Green Bay, whoever else you want to throw into that conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a little bolstering, a little tweaking that would be needed as well. But if you get a consistent top ten quarterback, that's going to cover up a lot of things too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a good. Um, yeah, Ballard. I again, I I think I said this back when I was doing the whole Grigson era, Ballard era debate of you know, the wins, losses, and where each tenure is at at this point. The reason I felt better about the Ballard current situation is because I felt like outside of QB, they are built very, very well Mm -hmm. moving forward. And I think we're seeing that. So, yeah, I think that's a good good point,
1: then. This is from Latrell. Do you think the Colts will make an aggressive Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes move or keep themselves in this mediocre quarterback purgatory? He says, I know you want them to make the move, as do I, but do you think they actually will because this regime regime pardon me just has a thing for holding on to people longer than they should?
0: Latrell Sprewell, really a much better basketball player than he gets credit for. You know, everyone been, remembers the whole choke, which you know, is probably something – you should be remembered for, infamously, but still, that guy could play a little. Yeah. Nice oh, little yeah. mid-range game. Oh, yeah. Um, I think they'll do it, man. You know, people that act like Ballard won't trade up because it's his belief and he loves draft picks. That's not true. I, I, he knows quarterback is different. Now, he's got to fall in love, which for him, you know, I watched two hours of, of my boy Ben Smith on The Bachelor, whatever it is, last night. Falling in love, it ain't easy. Yeah. <laughs> It's tough, and for Chris Ballard's standards, it's it's real tough, especially that position because a whole lot goes into it. But I don't think he would be. Nope, I'm not doing it. I love draft picks too much. I don't think I I mean he traded away 13 overall for DeForest Buckner. Like if he is obsessed, he'll do it. He's got to get get obsessed though.
1: Right, Kevin. Each podcast you have a, a friend having a child. And you're watching The Bachelor references here. I think it's safe to say you're a young married male. <laughs>
0: Gosh, I know. Well, you know, hopefully Ben Smith will will find someone. Um, he he got a lot of airtime last night. That show is so ABC scripted. It's not even
1: fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is from Brett. Projections on the final seven weeks: floor nine and seven, ceiling twelve and four, prediction eleven and five. Where do you think each of these three projections would put the Colts after Week 17?
0: Okay, give those to me again.
1: 9-7, and 12-4, and 11-5. and, 11 and five. Where would the Colts be at the end of the year?
0: You know, I think 9-7 and seven gets you in, but, man, those tiebreakers aren't ideal. And I look at all these other six-win teams, and I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> so, I think you get in, but I don't hold my breath there. 11-5, and five, I think you win the division. Uh, probably the four seed, three, I don't know, maybe the three seed. We'll see how the AFC East plays out, but Kansas City and right. Pittsburgh are going to be the one and two. And remember, there's only one bye this year, so I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between your two seed and the three seed and whatnot. 12-4, and same thing. You're going to win the division. You're going to get home field past, I guess, maybe round two. I guess that's where it could differ. But still, I expect Baltimore and Kansas City to be the one and the two. Chris, I think it all comes down to who do you want to play. And we are weeks away from this conversation, but we all think about it because we all see the standings. Yep. You know, I, I don't want to see Baltimore if I'm the Colts. I don't think I want to see Kansas City if I'm the Colts. I'd probably rather see Tennessee for a third time. And I know there's a stigma there with playing a team a third time. I don't care. I'd rather see them. Mm-hmm. I think you'd rather see, oh, let's make Derek Carr win a playoff game. Yep. Let's make Josh Allen win a playoff game. Let's make Tua win a playoff game. Baker, you know, there's a lot of inexperienced quarterbacks playoff-wise. So those are the teams I think that I would want to see.
1: This one comes from Stan. It Says, "Let's say the three quarterbacks go in the top five to six, and the Colts aren't convinced that any aren't convinced about any of the others. It's easy to say that we trade up for a QB, but just as in free agency, it takes two to tango. What would you do instead, both vis-a-vis the draft and the 2021 quarterback room?" Boy,
0: vis-a-vis Stan. Whew. Um. I'd find around one QB and try to develop. I'd move on from Rivers, and y- y- the only thing I worry about with Rivers, too, Chris, just when are things going to catch up with him physically? Mm-hmm. And maybe the Breeze stuff is so fresh in my mind, but it's like yeah. he's been so fortunate health wise. What happened? You know, we watched Peyton that final year. Oh my God, he couldn't throw from me to you. No, and the Breeze situation is, or or is he just some unique Brady like? You know, physically, and he just doesn't. I mean, hell, he hasn't missed a game since, what, 220-some straight starts or whatever the number is. But, um, yeah, even if those top three QBs are gone, I, I, I'm finding that round one QB and trying and develop.
1: This is from Wake Spike. With T.Y. having a relatively quiet season, is it more likely that he signs a team-friendly lower dollar value final contract or does he leave and chase a ring on a bargain contract hoping for a last dance? And... When he does leave, who do we think will t- be? Who do we think is more likely in taking over the speedster role, Campbell or Harris?
0: Well, I mean, can he chase a ring here? You know, I Hilton's got to accept a pay cut. Point blank, period. If yes. T.Y. Hilton's going to come back here. He's got to accept a pay cut. Like that is an absolute must. Some guys aren't, you know, just flat out aren't willing to do that. I think he's a little different. Um. So yeah, I think it's something to where he's got to accept that. As far as the speedster role, I mean, to be fair, you know, Hilton hasn't given you that much speed as of late. I would say it's Campbell, but you know, Campbell's much. The whole speedster element. I don't want to just like label those guys just in that. You know, Harris. You know that 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 third and four catch he had. Yeah, I know we talked about it on last week's podcast. Man, that was earned some trust. A little bit more of a full route tree, so. I like that.
1: All right, Kevin, this one's from Scotty. After thinking about the O-line issues with the run and seeing how they made a hole for Jacoby on the touchdown, says, I'm wondering if the line is having issues with the quarterback that can't move and worried so much about protecting him that they can't really make holes for the run. What are your thoughts?
0: Um... I mean, Scotty, I don't like 100% follow that line of thinking. I mean, you have pass protection calls and you have run blocking calls. So I don't think it's like, ooh, indecisive, you know, like read option. What's this going to be? Pass or run? You know, it's not like, let's be honest, not like Jacoby was some constant lever of the pocket either. So I don't know if I'm going there on it. I'll have something, you know, talk to Jeff Saturday earlier in the week about the issues of short yardage. I'll have something on that up on the site tomorrow. So check that out, but. I'll say what I said earlier, Chris. QB sneak. I mean, I know it's probably not as easy as it sounds, but you're having these these type of issues in short yardage. QB sneak it. 85%, 87%, whatever the success rate is, try it.
1: All right, this one's from Pistol Paul, who actually was a $50 Colts Pro Shop gift card winner ah, on the Beers with Bowen.
0: Congrats, Pistol. Nice. Thanks for uh, watching and great knowledge
1: says it feels odd to ask about Doyle but with his neck knee and ankle injuries the last couple of years and his blocking ability declining is that enough to be a liability so he f- says he feels like I have seen him get pushed back too often on negative plays this season and Tongyi seems to have some seems to have had some push against the Titans
0: yeah i don't know if i can go there on Tongyi i i don't know if i'm calling Doyle a liability has he been as reliable as usual no but i don't know if i'm going full like that's an issue. That guy's on the field. Um, I'll go back to what I said earlier. Moelle Cox needs to be more involved. And I I still think tight end is a big need for this team moving forward. You know, I thought it should have been a need back in April during the draft. And, um, yeah, I'm not going liability. Doyle's play time has been scaled back a little bit. But I, I'm not going there just yet.
1: All right, five more left of this podcast Twitter segment. And this one comes from Steven kind of goes back to what you just spoke to a couple questions ago. If the Colts make the playoffs, who would you like to see in the first round in terms of who we match up well against? Chiefs, Steelers, Ravens, Bills, Titans, and possibly Las Vegas or Cleveland?
0: Boy, you know what? I was happy, Chris, when that that boring finish to the Masters ended. I was so happy to see (laughs) Bills, Cardinals on my TV. I'm like, whoa, yes. I I don't know about you, I kind of like watching the Bills. They're pretty innovative offensively. Josh Allen is crazy, which I like. Yeah. And, uh, boy, give me more Kyler Murray. And, obviously, you know, what happened at the end is just unbelievable. But, uh, you know, out of that group, Browns, Titans, Raiders, I kind of like seeing them. I I don't want to see that Ravens D, like I said earlier. Mm-hmm. And that, that Steelers D, man. No. No, no, no. Nope. Nor, n- nor the Chiefs.
1: No. Zach wants to know, do you think Dan Quinn is a viable option if Eberflus gets a head coaching job? He was the defensive coordinator for the Legion of Boom in Seattle, and they were great while he was there. They were. They had
0: some damn good personnel.
1: Yes, they did.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I know when Chris Boward was hired, he wanted to be more like the Falcons defense. The you know, Falcons, I think, had made the Super Bowl just the year prior. Uh, drafted a lot of speed and a lot of length, especially the back end. Now that's tapered off, but um, yeah, Dan Quinn is not the name that I think of. It's a little different style, in the, in those defenses. It's it's definitely not, you know, apples to apples by any means. Um, I don't know if there's a lot of overlap between Dan Quinn and and Frank Reich, and um, yeah, I, I I guess he's an option. I I continue to think just you know, based off just a little bit of chatter around the Texans' job, I just don't think it. Iberflus is maybe as high of a defensive candidate as. Everyone thinks he is or mm-hmm. should be or, you know, we, we live in a much different bubble here. Correct. So we see the defense week in and week out. But, um, and you know, how many openings are we going to have? And that's the other thing. I feel like we haven't had a lot of chatter. You, you'd assume the Jets. But, like, outside of the Jets and Texans, it's like, are the Falcons going to hire Raheem Morris?
1: They've played much better under him.
0: You know, and it's just I—I I don't know. You've got to think Jacksonville's done with Marone, but who knows? He'll probably beat the Colts in Week 17 and <laughs> save his job for the 37th straight year. Yeah, I—I I don't know. Um, we'll see. You know, obviously, if Colts get on a run here, that's gonna change things a whole lot. True. And you got to hire fluce's wife too. <laughs> Which,
1: <laughs> Garden Twitter, baby. You, know,
0: you never know if she's fleeting. You never oh, know. Oh my God! How that's gonna
1: go? All right, Alex, question will require you to put your coaching headset on here, Kevin. Mm-hmm. You're down two. You have a 45-yard field goal for the win. Who do you trust more, Vinatieri or Gotzkowski?
0: <laughs> you see uh, little, little Vinatieri made the game winner for Zionsville?
1: I did not, no. You see that? Yeah, he That's uh, awesome.
0: made the game winner, and Zionsville moved on from the regional to the semi-state round. Which is great. Yeah, I, know, I think I don't. I don't know if it's the same son, but one of the sons like had a block punt I think in the state finals last year. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not what we need. We do not need <laughs> this venetary plague to be going to his kin. Um, 45 yarder. Yep. I'm going delay a game, and I'm getting to 50 and having Goskowski kicking because he <laughs> seems to make them all from 50.
1: That's very true. Right. Well done.
0: I mean, is Vinny gonna? Is Vinny done?
1: Yeah, you have to. I would think.
0: Or is he just like, yeah, I'm going to sit out this year and then kick at the age of 40? Is he going to turn 48
1: this year? You know what's going to happen, Kevin, and we'll get great. Uh, our 48. listeners will love he's gonna this. He's going to be
0: 48 late next
1: month. He's just going to take the year off, and he's going to go talk to Andrew, and they're both going to come back on their white stop, stallions and stop, save the holes.
0: Stop, stop, <laughs> stop, We had a good podcast going until <laughs> And you went there.
1: I went there. Two questions left. This is from John. If Pittman's performance against the Titans and Ravens become the new normal, 5 to 10 targets, 50 plus yards, can we afford to not invest as heavily in the receivers this offseason as we previously thought we needed to? If Campbell stays healthy, it's starting to feel like we might have an adi- we might have adequately addressed the receiver position. If so, it's another box checked off for moving up to get the quarterback.
0: You know, John, it's a fair question. But, Chris, I will go back to that statement he said. And I don't know how he said this without his finger shaking a little bit. If Campbell can stay healthy. yeah, You know? And it's like a Tiger after the round. Well, if the wind wasn't blowing on hole 12, I wouldn't have made a 10. Yeah. Well, you made a bleeping 10. Like, it's just – I just can't say that with a lot of confidence. If you're going to sit here right now and you're going to – give me the magic mother Cleo eight ball and say Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell are going to miss five games the rest of their NFL careers. I'd feel a whole lot different, but you just can't live in that sort of thinking when you're running an NFL team. Right. And you have that position to think about. And you're thinking about a young quarterback seemingly with this wide out group. I really like Paris Campbell. I really like Michael Pittman. You guys know that you guys have listened to me and I've gushed about them both. But um, with Campbell, unfortunately, we have this injury situation. So I still think it's a need. Now, the beauty of it is, like, how has the college game evolved? Harder to find offensive linemen? Maybe a little bit harder to find kind of ready-made quarterbacks? Some systems you can. some You can find wideouts. That's all they do in college nowadays. Throw, 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 and all these receivers get drafted and whatnot. So that's the beauty of it. The Colts just got to evaluate it better and draft better. Yeah. And sign free agents better at that position, too.
1: Brian's going to wrap up this edition of Twitter questions with a 2021 for us. Oh, boy. With COVID-19 numbers up, his kids are actually required to do virtual learning, even though the hybrid program currently limits classes to at least 50%. School activities and attendance limited to only parents, yet the city is okay to keep 12,500 in attendance at an NFL football game. Just wondering if the priorities are in line. Is COVID-19 only an issue when money and the NFL are not involved?
0: Boy, Brian, that's loaded. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, it looks like Rosie Bow might be coming out of daycare here soon, which is not ideal for mom or dad or any parent out there. We're all dealing with this at some level. Um, I saw the NFL just announced that they're going to go to intensive protocols for all teams through the remainder of the season. I believe the holiday aspect has something to do with it. Probably, yep. I, what it means is pretty much... You go virtual for meetings or you're spaced out, super spaced out for meetings. And then you practice with masks on, which that's interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Look, the NFL has money. And unfortunately, Brian, money talks in a lot of things in life. And each business, every business in the world is trying to stay afloat and make money in some degree right now. And the NFL feels like their stadiums. And obviously, their communities, you know, Lambeau is not having fans. Lucas Oil is having fans. I mean, what is it, 12, 12 five inside of Lucas Oil right now? Yes. I mean, I don't have a calculator, but that's got to be less than a fifth of the of the capacity. I mean, we got 70,000, 68,000, something mm-hmm. like that in yep. there. So, have you have you been to a game yet?
1: I have. I was at the Bengals game, and I will be at the game this weekend against the Packers.
0: And, and, and you can speak to this more than I can, but from people I've talked to, I don't think they've ever felt like they were on top of people or they were I don't know, being exposed or in a risky environment. No, not at I, all. I don't. Yeah, I don't.
1: I mean, did you feel like it was? It was one of those where, you know, not to be the the Midwestern, this is a flu because I don't think it is, but you know, it's. You're sitting there like, man, do I have to wear this mask? Really, I'm so far apart from so many people, and they do a good job. The seats aren't like you can just go sit wherever you want. They're zip tied shut,
0: right? So
1: they have their grid and they know where people are supposed to sit, and security. Does a very good job of watching the stadium the entire time. If that mask goes down any longer than to take a sip or to eat your popcorn or whatever it is, yeah. Hey guy, put your mask back yeah, up.
0: Yeah, you're not mask off doing Simba cam, you know? Or right? Yeah. camera Or I don't. I, Kiss cam is not a thing in 2020. Now that I think about it, um, yeah, Brian. It, look, this is there's no easy answer, but I'll just go back to what I said earlier. Each business trying to do the best they can and trying to stay afloat. This is where we are in life right now in this year. So some communities, some NFL stadiums feel like it's doable. I haven't read anything about an outbreak at Lucas Oil Stadium or, you know, just unfortunately some of the horrific and impacting all of us very closely and some others not as close, but certainly some very close of what we saw in the spring where we still were gathering for bigger events. Mm -hmm. But this is where we're at, man. And sounds like 12500 again for the Titans next Sunday. So, uh, yeah, we'll see after that. Just two two home games, I think. Yeah, Houston once and Jacksonville once right. to close out the year.
1: Yeah, God, starting to wind is. down, man. It is. It is. All right. Three keys. You mentioned it. America's game this week. Joe and Troy on the call. Fox, not necessarily my favorite, but I'll be there, so I don't have to listen to it, so it's all good.
0: See, I, I, I kind of like Buck and Aikman, but, hey, that's just me. Um. All right, Hall of Fame challenger quarterback. I mean I, – Outside of Mahomes, man, he's the best thrower slash keep plays alive. Frank Reich rattled off, like, seven things he loves about Aaron Rodgers today, and they were all different. Mm -hmm. Like, keeps plays alive, different arm angles, arm strength, um, doesn't throw interceptions, yet throws it really far down the field. Like, all of it. 26 touchdowns, three picks this season for Aaron Rodgers. Hall of Fame challenge by far, and we mentioned Alan Lazard earlier. So, um... Yeah, that's number 1. Number 2 for me, Chris, is sustaining the offensive success we saw on Thursday. I love the no huddle aspect of Thursday's game. I know it's risky with Rodgers. You probably want to limit possessions and not necessarily you know, have the opportunity to quick score or quick three and out and now Rodgers is back on the field. But um I guess more than anything, while I think tempo should be more of the norm, quicker tempo. Yep. It's more to me about Hines, Pittman, Alec Cox touches. Hilton, I really believe he's going to break out at some point. But those three, for me, um, are really important. The Heinz touch stat that I was looking up earlier in the week, I think he's had five touches or less in like four games this year. And then he hasn't had in between like six and ten touches in either game. He's had at least 11 in the rest. They're averaging like a full touchdown more when he's touching the ball. At a high number. Yeah. So that's what you want to see. And we'll see. Green Bay's banged up a corner right now. Jair Alexander, their stud. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's an average defense that I actually think you can run on a little bit. And then lastly, just your plan for Devontae Adams. Yeah. When you're in the same breath, and legitimately you can look up these numbers, as Marvin Harrison to start an NFL season, you're playing the game of football very good at the wide receiver position. Right. He's only played in seven games. He's got more than 700
1: yards. I was going to say, and that's with injury.
0: Right. And he's got nine touchdowns. Like, what? Um, Colts have done really well. Thielen, Robinson, Galladay. We've we, we mentioned those names before. You know, I, I don't even think Odell went crazy off against them. I don't know. Maybe I'd have to look up those numbers, but I don't think he went. But this is the trickle down effect of the Kenny Moore injury situation, how that plays out. Look at my Wednesday notebook. I won't bore you with the numbers. Look at the Wednesday notebook and some of the numbers of this defense without Kenny Moore last season. It pissed Chris Ballard off Mm -hmm. how poorly they played down the stretch without him. You can't – injuries happen. Yep. No one's crying over Taylor Lawan tearing his ACL for the Titans. Injuries happen, and you got to produce. And so I think that is a huge, huge impact of – Rocky Seen's been inconsistent. T.J. Carey now is going to have to play a whole lot in the slot if Kenny Moore's out. We'll see. Um He was doing some light jogging on the practice field today. But uh, we'll have to watch how that plays out.
1: All right, based off those three keys, what's your prediction for this Sunday?
0: I'm going Packers, 30-23. to Okay. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, good at football. And um, I just think the passing offense challenge, Chris, is so hard to replicate. And the Colts haven't seen anything like it yet. I think that might sting them a little bit. And this offense showed me something last week, but how much of that was the no huddle short week? Can you produce 27-30 without a punter shanking a punt and you cash in on a short field or, you know, scoring obviously seven off the EJ speed block? Um, Surviving a shootout. I I think the Packers are pretty motivated. They're the number one seed right now, so obviously – Yeah. They are playing for a whole lot. So I think it'll be a great game. Really good game. I, I don't necessarily think a 30 to 23 loss would greatly shift my thinking on how I look at the Colts. I think they're a pretty good football team. But uh yeah. Okay. That's what I'm going with.
1: Who do you like? Well, we were very similar in uh in our prediction. Mine is 30 to 20.
0: Ah, okay.
1: So right around that same that same mark. So you're going two score. I am. The only thing that made me kind of want to come down on the Packers is like you said, if we can continue what we've done this season with time of possession and limit the Packers, but with that offense, you know, they don't necessarily need a ton of time to score. They don't. But man. that's something that uh I'm gonna keep my eye on heavily is how long, like you said, we can keep twelve over on that other sideline.
0: God, amen to that man. I'm such a big believer of that. Playing keep away, sustaining mm-hmm. drives, all those things, short yardage, all that stuff. So yeah, um everybody have a great week, weekend.
1: You got anything planned? I do not. Just the Packers game.
0: Uh, Yeah, no Irish uh, for me on Saturday. So uh, IU Ohio State, I guess, is a big game. Oh, yeah, that's right. Noon. Nooner there. He's Chris Preston. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody, thanks for listening to this edition of Kevin's Corner. We'll be back Monday morning recapping Colts and Packers.